Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, the interview show where we further craft our mindsets, outlooks, and philosophies while going toe-to-toe with a guest. As always, I'm the Battleist, and today I'm joined by my good friend Nick Stevens. He's, an, he's a graduate communication student at Marquette, specializing in digital communication strategies. He was a finalist for TCU's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Award. He's an incoming communications intern for Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and he has done some activism work for a number of different organizations. However, my favorite thing that he's done is a social justice talk featuring J. Cole lyrics. I'll leave the link to that and his profiles down below in the description, so be sure to check him out. Nick, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, you know, third time's a charm on that intro. But here we are. We're here. We made it. Yes, sir. So there were a number of reasons why I wanted to have you on. First off, we've been friends for a very, very long time, dating back to third grade. We've always stayed in touch uh, even after you moved uh, across the country, essentially. And, you know, so we've always been banging out and we've been following each other on social media for a while. And for as long as we've been following each other on social media and this especially probably happened, you know, going into college. Uh, you've always been about the shits when it's come to diversity, inclusion and social injustice. And this just obviously with the state of affairs and everything that's going on, not only in the country, but it's also spread around the world and made perfect sense to bring you on. And obviously I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. First of all, um, I'm glad you said with the shits because I was wondering what the language, uh, <laughs> what yeah. the rule was on cussing on the show, and I forgot to ask. So yeah, I'm no, glad you got that I, I, I don't care. I truly, I truly don't care. You know, you know me. You know how I roll with things. So there, yeah. There's no <laughs> limits here. You can say whatever the hell you want. All right, bet. Let's fucking go then. Um, but uh, no, but um, yeah, no. I appreciate you having me on, and yeah, I mean, I've done like. It, it is activism and that kind of social justice work is kind of my thing, right? And I want to—I do want to precede this conversation by saying, look, we need to acknowledge that our privileges here, right? We're two white dudes. They're going to yes. be talking about issues involving Correct. race and involving the black community. So acknowledging that, I think, more, before we start is super important and that we probably will both say things that are, you know, influenced by those privileges. So just keeping that in mind for listeners, viewers, whatever, you know, moving forward. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Um, I think with everything that's going on or not that's going on because it's always been going on, but that is that is amplified in the world right now in terms of police brutality and uh, and how we can best support the black communities talk that I'm super excited to have. Yeah, for sure. And it's very funny that you brought that up. Like we are, you know, two white dudes. Like I always I always I, uh, before we started, I try to think of if I uh, what I needed to disclose before this. And I think I'm just ultimately going to because you set that up so well for me. Nick, you are not the first person that I asked for this. Uh, I did ask someone a member of the black community uh, to come on and they politely and respectfully declined. I totally get it. And I also said in my message to him, I said, hey, I don't want to like just be that guy and say, hey, I know I'm going to ask my black friend to come on and talk about this, i.e. the, the Bobamani Jones experience. Uh, so, it, you know, it really is a fascinating dynamic because, you know, we both. So you went to college at TCU uh, and I went to school at Akron. And I don't know the dynamic to teach to you. I know some of it, though. Uh, but, you know, Akron's like predominantly black, uh, at least it's, I wouldn't say predominantly, but it's an increasingly black school. Uh, and because of that, you know, so we've been around uh, different cultures and things of that nature. And so it is always interesting when we get into conversations like this where it's like, oh, I know. I'm just going to do, go talk to so-and-so. And that feels really – it just feels icky. Like I, Even like when I reached out to him, I was saying, like, I don't want to do this because I know how this comes off. 
Yeah, so that's one of the trends that I've seen happening a lot in recent weeks that has honestly really pissed me off, which is not that exactly, obviously. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of white people who believe that showing their support for the black community means texting all their black friends and you know asking them how they're doing and asking them to explain how everything makes them feel. Yeah, and it's like that's not really like there's a different to me there's a difference between showing support for a community and showing support in a way that's just intended to make yourself feel better and be like, I did something, you know? Yeah. And the way I always see it is like, cool, it's great that you're texting your black friends and saying, what's up, but what work are you actually doing in your community and in the world to actually push for issues and causes that will improve their lives and that will deal with racism and will deal with police brutality? You know, I, I mean, it, it's cliche, but actions do speak, speak louder than words, especially in regards to an issue like this. And I think there's a lot of people who think that words are enough and i think they're starting to be called out for that which is good mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's i mean it's it's certainly just going to take time yeah no for sure i mean this you know this is an issue that's been going on for hundreds of years and i said this in my video i don't know if you watched or i, I actually you, you read you read the piece and then you texted me about it afterwards you mm -hmm. know this time just felt different and why do you think that is? Because I have my reasons, but for whatever reason, you know, we've had case after case after case of this. And especially in the social media era, you know, it pretty much started off with Michael Brown in uh, 2014, 2015. And here we are now, and now this thing just has a level, a level of momentum that I've never seen. Yeah, so the first case of police brutality that I actually remember in terms of blowing up on social media was probably Trayvon Martin, which I believe... Oh, that was 2013. That yeah. Was, yeah, my bad, um, my bad. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I think, but that was, you're right. I mean, that was the first one that I remember really blowing up on social media. Um, so for this one, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I have a couple of guesses as to why the incident of George Floyd, um, the murder of George Floyd um, garnered so much attention and has produced so much, you know, all of these protests and everything. Um, first off, I think, I think part of it is due to coronavirus and to, um, people being at home a lot and on their phones more and on social mm -hmm. media more. I don't have statistics on this to back me up, but I'm guessing if I looked into social media usage in the last couple months, I'm guessing it spiked. Yeah, for sure. Um, because people have more time on their hands. So I think that's part of it. Um, and then I think another big part, of, well, there's, there's, so there's two other things. There's that. Um, I think that the murder of George Floyd was very graphic in a way that not all police brutality crimes are. I mean, they're all graphic, but like this one could be distilled down to a single image in ways that sometimes you can't with other ones. It was caught mm -hmm. on camera and you have the image of Chauvin, you know, killing, uh, killing George Floyd with his knee. Um, so I think it was very visual in a way that isn't always the case. Um, and people had that visual in their minds. And the third one, and I think the biggest one, is just the buildup over the last month or so with how, look, these cases have always been frequent and consistent, but it's the last few months you've had Breonna Taylor, you had Ahmaud Arbery, and then you had George Floyd. And right. I think seeing those three lumped together a lot because they are all so recent and they all hit home. And they were all, I mean, Breonna Taylor was in her home doing nothing. It was shot by Louisville police. You know, Ahmaud Arbery was running and then a couple dudes killed it. Like, they were all very graphic and, like, I don't think I think most of these cases of police to brutality are pretty open and closed in terms of the police um, or in Ahmad's Ar Arbery's case, racist white people doing something wrong. But these these ones were like not even 
even less debatable, if that makes sense. Yes, right? Like correct. clearly there, there was blatantly wrong. Yes. They couldn't even like the most racist white people are struggling to argue for it. Yeah. That's uh, that, that last point. That's where I came in. I said, this one feels different because it was so obvious. This was so right. clear, so cut and dry. And as you just said, it's like people are struggling, you know, people who would normally like try and defend the actions of the police officer are struggling to even try something to cling on to. Right, right. And they're trying their asses off. But uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think the combination of, yeah, it being very graphic and very obvious and like in, indefensible that there was any that the police officer was in any way. Right. Paired with the buildup of these three high profile cases of police brutality and or racism. Um, I think that combination, along with COVID, really kind of is, is what made this brought this all to the forefront. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my guess. Yeah, no, I mean, and no, and it makes sense because I don't know if I talked about this, but just going back to that Corona point, you know, we we've been just inside for two or three months now at this point, and with nothing to do but scroll social media, and so as soon as something like this catches fire, especially in a landscape like modern day social media, I mean, that shit's gonna go everywhere, and as you said, you know, this was distilled down into one image. Uh, just me personally and the way I kind of rock with things, I'm not interested in watching a video where someone's being killed, but I saw the screenshots and the screenshots were enough to move me where it's just like, you you know, obviously I can read tweets and I can see screenshots and I piece things together, but even just seeing how it was described through the screenshots, through just people talking about it, it was clear, oh shit, this thing is about to get ugly. Yeah, it's... um. And it, it's tough too. I mean, it's it's interest, interesting that you mentioned videos and whether you want to watch it or not, because that's something that's been on my mind a lot recently in terms of, you know, how do we publicize these incidents of police brutality? And I was actually talking with a good friend of mine, Chris, the other day, because he was, you know, putting out a graphic that, that showed the image um, of George Floyd being killed. And I think it's, it's tough because there's, but on, on one side, like it needs to be shown for white people who either don't know or ignore um issues of police brutality and to some extent other people of color as well because there are some other people of color that have minimized and not supported the black community um but primarily for white people to see like hey this is happening you need to watch this to so you can really get get the gravity of the situation like black people are being systemically killed in this country but on the other hand by posting like there's a lot of black people including some of my close friends who to see those videos on social media like that's really traumatic for them because they see it and it's like you know, this is happening to my people like that. That could be my dad. That could be my family member, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think it's a balance between um, posting it to raise awareness versus posting it at the risk of, you know, increasing trauma for black people. So that's something that I've thought about and actually struggled with a lot recently. But I don't know, your, your point about seeing the video, that just brought that to mind for me. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's um, So I guess the reason why, so I feel like I need to clarify why, uh, I don't want to watch the video, and that's just because death, and I've talked about this before on this channel, death is my biggest fear. Like, just because it, you know, it's fucking finite. Like, boom, it's done. Yeah. And, like, you're gone forever. And so just like someone, who, you know, who's, who's trying to just climb these mountains of life, death scares the fuck out of me. And so for me, like, that's just, that, so that's why I just, that's why I personally just won't watch that video. Because seeing someone lose their life like that, that's just, for, for a number of reasons, that's just awful. You know, I, we don't think, obviously we're getting into those now, but I don't, I don't need to elaborate on why this is so bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, we we can take this in so many different directions. I feel like I I think this is a very important question to ask you though. How or what sparked your interest in activism? Because as you as you mentioned at the top, you know we're two white dudes. We have a level of privilege to us, and I, I I've known you for a long time. I don't think I ever saw this coming from you. And that's not to say that you weren't going to do it before or like that's not a knock or criticism on you whatsoever, but you always like the quiet kid. You know, growing up, you were the pretty quiet kid, uh, just kind of like mellowed out, chilled, chilled, uh, laid back. And now here you are at the forefront of this. I read off obviously all the shit that, you, that you, I read off all the shit that you're doing at the top. So just kind of talk about how you got here. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it, part of it is I, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge my parents who have done a very good job in terms of raising my sister and I, you know, to care for other people to not, not that I'm like, this isn't like, Oh, my parents and family is amazing. Like everybody else's sucks, but they, they did a good job of instilling that in us. But um, I think like it was, it was, I was always interested in issues of social justice and have always leaned liberal and have always, you know, I think to some extent, tried to care and value marginalized communities. But I think it really hit in college actually. And I think to some extent, like the social thing you messaged, mentioned in terms of me used to being, me, me being quiet. I think a lot of that came out in college. I really kind of found my voice. It's, it's funny because you know, the Myers-Briggs like personality test thing yeah. where it, yeah. So I was introverted all through high school. And then I took it like a month after going to college and all of a sudden that like I've been extroverted every time I've taken it since then. Really? Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. But in, in, in terms of activism, it was actually, I know the exact moment that I really started to get into it. And that was fall of my sophomore year. Um, so that would have been what, 2016 yeah, at TCU. Um, there was a hashtag that went around called, it was hashtag being minority at TCU. Um, and it was trending, like trended regionally. I, I remember this. Worth even, yeah. Um, and basically it was people of color at TCU speaking to their experiences, dealing with and confronting racism and microaggressions and police brutality um, on campus. And that really hit me. And there, there were a lot of, well, they released a list of demands, um, a, a group of, there were a few students of color that did that and got ridiculous backlash. Like, because TCU, you mentioned school demographics earlier. TCU is an overwhelmingly white school. Like right. The whitest place I've ever been in my life. Uh, T TCU, oh. Texas Christian University. I feel like not not to uh, stereotype with that. I mean, it, it's there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of rich and it's super like frat culture. Like it's like half the people, over half the school is like involved in Greek life. Mm -hmm. um, and that plays a big role as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a super white school. Um, and so they got a bunch of backlash for it. And I remember thinking at the time, like these people just aren't listening to people of color. Like this is a super toxic environment. This incredibly racist school institution and culture here. Um, and so I wrote a piece like coming out in support of people of color on campus. Um, I don't even think it was called, oh, I think it was like why hashtag being minority TCU perspectives and stories should inspire change or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I just wrote that and it, it blew up a little bit on social media and it was actually published by like the campus news organization. And that was kind of the moment where I really became involved. That was like where I kind of met and got into some more activist circles but I still wasn't doing a ton. It was actually then my, my junior year, um, the next year at TCU in the spring, I took a class on the civil rights movement and it involved a civil rights bus tour where we went through um, Mississippi, um, Tennessee, Memphis. Um, I don't remember where else exactly, but um, we, went, we went through a lot of the important spots for the civil rights movement in the South. And after that, for the second half of the semester, our project was to 
we, we split into groups and each group had to do some kind of project that would uh, work towards social justice on campus. And so my group was uh, responsible for bringing back, we decided to bring back the campus chapter of the NAACP. Um, and so that was kind of my first like actually like getting involved doing activism work like on campus. And so I did that and just got involved in a ton of different stuff from there. I was part of like an organization that um, implemented a diversity, equity, and inclusion requirement into the core curriculum. I was part of like a panel that spoke about the civil rights movement and addressed that. Like that, that kind of put me into that world and into a lot of different stuff. Um, from that, that class is really where it, where it started from in terms of like my physical involvement. Um, so yeah, that was a very long-winded answer to your question, but that's kind of where it came from. No, it's totally cool. I mean, you did, I mean, like that's the thing, right? Even I just remember like you did so much stuff at TCU and I, I felt like it was one, like it, once you got in it, you just never stopped, you know, and I, and I believe you even like did some stuff regarding like the, some, some athletic programs as well. Yeah. Yeah. I actually forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I wrote, um, my, my honors thesis was about academic challenges facing student athletes because, um, I think a lot of the time, right. Our view of student athletes, especially those in revenue generating sports, football and basketball, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's football and basketball, we see them and we see full ride scholarships and we think of them as privileged, which to a certain extent, I guess is true, right? They are getting free educations and they are, oftentimes there are social benefits on campus, right? Where they're viewed as celebrities, but that ignores a lot of the serious difficulties they face in terms of academics and actually like integrating on campus. And that was, so that was kind of what I sought to address with my paper. So I did a bunch of interviews, read through a bunch of research and, and wrote a paper about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because that's one group um, and it's a group of primarily people of color, right? right. Primarily black, black mm-hmm. people that, we view as privileged and we don't think about how their race and um, the, how their involvement in the sport is hurting them in an academic sense. We just think of, we, we see that full ride and we're like, oh, they're chilling. Like they have it great, but that's, that's really not the case. So yeah, that was a really interesting thing that I did that I think a lot of people don't think about. Yeah, for sure. So let's kind of just shift gears back. That's basically how this is going to go. We're just going to keep just shifting gears. This is going to be a little bit all over the place. I apologize in advance, but as I told Nick before we even started, I said, yo, I didn't prepare for this, and I purposely didn't because there are just so many different ways this conversation could go. It didn't make sense to even attempt to do so. So yeah, I no. want – what was that? I said that's good with me. Yeah. So I think it's important that we kind of just talk about the protests that are going on right now. I know you've been to a couple already. You actually texted me yesterday when I asked you to come on. You're like, hey, I might be going to one in Chicago. I'll let you know. We'll figure it out from there. But here we are. So from your experience, I have not been to a protest yet. I think I'm going to one tomorrow if I get off of work early enough, which is going to be really interesting. I'll talk about that once we get done with your answer. But what has been the energy like? I've heard people talk. My one, my cousin said it felt like a movie scene. And my other and another person that I uh, have heard from have said that it felt like there was just there was just this energy, this transforming energy uh, from them. So what's been your experience with the protests? Yeah, so I think that's true. So for some background, I guess to give it kind of a benchmark to compare it to um, the most similar protest I can think of that I, that I went to was um in 2016 or 17 so sometime in my sophomore year but i went to a protest um when trump rolled out i guess it must have been 2017 because trump was president so when he when he tried to roll out the muslim ban Mm -hmm. and not letting them you know fly into the country not letting um people from primarily muslim countries come into the united states um so i went to the dfw airport to protest that 
And that was like the closest thing in terms of an energy standpoint that I think I could compare it to because everybody there was like, even though we were protesting something like extremely negative and racist, like the, the vibe there was very positive. Like everybody was coming together in support of these people. And that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely been amplified in terms of um, the marches that I've been to. So I've been to two so far. I went to one last weekend and yeah, I went to, I actually didn't end up going to Chicago, but there was, there was a big one in Milwaukee today that I went to instead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, and oh, side note, Giannis showed up after I left. So Ooh, that was kind of, that's dope. But, uh, yeah. I mean, very cool, but you you missed out. Uh, Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's a very different environment. And I think it's important to note for me personally in being in Milwaukee, like Milwaukee is one of, if not the most segregated cities Mm -hmm. in the country, like extremely segregated. It has a long history of redlining and of being divided like regionally, like street by street by race. Um, It's a big problem. Like I've only been here for what, about a year now. But even yeah. like the little research and knowledge I have of that, like it's a serious, it, it's, it's got a long history of it. Um, so yeah, the protests have been incredible. Yeah, like the, I, w- I was shocked by the turnout. Like every, both of the ones that I went to have been bigger ones. And they, I mean, thousands of people showing out um, to support the cause and to advocate against police brutality and, you know, for black lives. Um, and it's been really cool. Yeah, and both of the ones I went to remain peaceful. And maybe we can talk about violence at protests and, and some of that in a second but yeah. i haven't i didn't have to deal with that at either of the ones that i've been to um they, they were completely peaceful but um yeah there, there's an energy just around the country like from what i'm seeing and it's it's really cool in a way that i i've seen a lot of people saying it feels different and i think i agree with that you yeah. know i think it's important that we don't just pat ourselves on the back for that because i don't want everybody to get complacent and just mm-hmm. be like we thing because like nothing's really done yet you know but I do think there's an energy and if we can build on this and continue this momentum, like there's serious potential for change, which is important. Yeah. You just touched on something that was going to come up probably in the future of the conversation, but we're just going to bring it up now. That's just how this is going to work. I'm apologizing in advance already just for changing subjects and conversations throughout this, but I've had this conversation with multiple people and I've said in the past, you know, if it's like, whether it's like Kaepernick kneeling or, another just major circumstance like I've spoken out against racial injustice but it's always kind of been like a low-key way and I like you know this was the case where really I get like I had to I like like I said this felt too obvious to ignore uh specifically and so I've had people you know reach out and say thanks for speaking out thanks for posting thanks for doing this and I get it but how bad is it that we as a society have come to the point where we're now thanking people for doing the right thing? It's, it's just like, it's, it's, and it's on one hand, it's like, all right, maybe you are, maybe it's like a positive, uh, positive reinforcement to somebody who isn't, uh, who doesn't traditionally speak out. So you want them to give, so you want to give them the satisfaction of, Hey, they're doing the right thing. and You want them to keep doing the right thing. But on the other hand, like, it's just, it's very weird. Um, and I just, I just wanted to, to get that point out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. No, I do. That's actually, so I, this is something I've thought about a lot because it's not just you. Like I have other friends. Um, one of my close friends, I mentioned Chris earlier, who usually, obviously he cares about these things. Like he's a black man. He has to deal with this on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but he's not always the most vocal about dealing with it. And, and he put something out as well, put out like a clear statement and addressed it and, you know, linking to petitions, all that. Um, and you did the same in ways that, yeah, I haven't seen you step out like that before. And that was really cool. So I think there's two sides to it. Like, yeah, um, I hit you up and I, I think I te- yeah, you texted me and, and I was like, right. yo, dude, like, 
saw that. Like, that's awesome. I appreciate it. And I think, I do think that's important, especially for like, I texted you that and I was telling him that. And like my friends that I've been involved in activism with in the past, like when they post things like that, like I, I don't text them individually. Yeah. Stuff like that because I, I know they support it, but you're right. To a certain extent it is like, I see you, like you, you did this, you're stepping out, you're, you're taking a stand for the movement. Like that's important. And so when I see people doing that, especially people who haven't done it in the past, like I do usually say something, you know, because right. you want to support that and make them feel comfortable doing it in the future. Right. But I do think, I think, you're right that it's gone a little far in some cases in terms of patting people on the back for doing what should be done. Like one of the, it, this is, I, I was, I was on my, you know, I got a Twitter burner account and I was on yeah. it yesterday. I'm going to think through this, but I, there's been like, I, I'm getting sick of, this is just one example of this. I'm getting sick of on Facebook, white people just like commenting on anything black people post um, saying like, I support you. Like I stand with you, like yeah. all that, because to me, that feels like they're saying it to pat themselves on the back for having black friends. That's mm -hmm. what I feel like that is. And I think sometimes that's the case in terms of what we're seeing on social media with people who are just posting like broad general statements or whatever, not actually pushing for change. Um, and so I think it's important that we aren't like rewarding people too much for doing shit like that. Now that's what not, that's not what you're doing. You know, you put out a quick statement, you're now having these conversations on your show. Like that's different. My friend Chris, like he put out a graphic, he was linking to petitions, he was pushing for action. But I do think there are people who are just, you know, making generic posts and using the movement because it's trendy and they're just trying to build up their popularity and make themselves seem cool or seem woke. And that's not okay. Yeah, so, no, yeah, no, for sure. Work. For sure. And I mean, I mean, even here with like what I'm doing, I still don't feel like it's enough. Like, even if it is like a conversation with you when we're talking about this here, even if it's the video I made, I have another script that's done that's going to be talking about the importance of taking a stand. And I still like don't feel like it's good enough. So I do. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to try and get out to that protest tomorrow. I, I, I want to hit one up because I feel like I need, I feel like it is such a, it is such a life changing experience to go to one. Obviously, that's not the full reason why I would go, obviously, showing support for Black Lives Matter and all of that and all of the uh, social injustices there. But I, I know it's just this feeling of what am I doing? Is what is what I'm doing enough? How can I continue to push through this past this? Because uh, there comes a point where, and we've seen it over and over again, so it's, quote, likely to happen again, where these momentums just die, you know? And it's unfortunate because it's how we get put into the same cycle. And hopefully this is the one that breaks it. But it really is just now a question of, all right, what am I doing to stay informed, stay educated, and really trying to make that change? Yeah, and you're right. And look, I mean, you're right. that You're not doing enough, and I'm not doing enough. None of us are doing enough. Mm -hmm. um, like, we all should be, I mean, everybody needs to put their all into confronting racism and confronting right, white supremacy and confronting police brutality. And as white people, like we're never going to have done enough to support in that regard. Right. So it's just working and doing as much as we can um, to try and make that difference and being outspoken and, you know, calling out friends and family who say racist things, supporting these movements um, and, and doing so in the right way, educating ourselves. You know, earlier, a girl texted me asking for recommendations on, on books to read regarding Black Lives Matter and all that, which was super flattering for me. But like, so I sent her a long list of those, you know, be, and it's important that we read those and, you know, be willing to educate ourselves. Um, yeah, I think there's a number of ways that protesting as well, like you mentioned. I mean, there's a number of different ways we can do things, but everybody needs to be doing as much as they can to confront this and to support black people. And I think there's a balance to, I, 
we I think we also need to be careful of, and this might be a slightly separate conversation, but we need to make sure that we don't slide into white savior complex and looking like white savior. Have you have you heard of that before? Uh, no, but that that makes sense. I, I get I get where that comes from. Yeah, like that 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 line of thought makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it's um, white savior complex for anyone that's listening that doesn't know is like this idea that you know it's it's when white people co-opt these movements and take over these movements and um, portray themselves as like the hero or like the savior of this. Like it's the same. It'd be like if when I was working with the NAACP, if I decided to be president, like I specifically didn't want to get into that because I should not be president of an organization that's for people of color. Um, and so like when white people like get at the front of these protests just to get in the camera shot or when white people like are using Black Lives Matter as like a way to build their social media following or to show that they're cool. Like we need to make sure that while we're supporting as much as physically possible, that we're not co-opting the movement and taking it over from black people because this is their movement is for their lives and they need to be the ones that are leading the charge and um, determining where it goes and, and what exactly it is that we're trying to accomplish because it's their lives on the line, right? So we need to support in every way we can, but not in a way that's taking it over. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. You covered that perfectly. It is just one of the things where, like you said, we can't, we can support the movement, but it's not our, it's not ours, you right. know, and, and that, that's two very different things. I feel like now this has to be brought up because we are two sports people, Colin Kaepernick, kneeling, Drew Brees, whole lot of shit happened over the course of the past few days. And one of the, I, I want to start with this. Um, the NFL or an, a group of NFL players, and they aren't even players. They are NFL superstars. Came out and made a video, and it was it included guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Jamal Adams, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. That is a superstar list of players. Those are all players who are going to be taken in the first three rounds of your fantasy drafts this season. They came out with a video and they demanded a multitude of things for the NFL to support. And obviously this comes off of the back of the Colin Kaepernick situation that happened at this point three years ago where Colin Kaepernick was blackballed for taking a knee during the national anthem in protest of police brutality. To have those players step up now in this way and have the NFL... Roger Goodell made a video. They got Goodell to bend the knee and, and repeat everything that they want. I don't know how authentic or genuine that actually is, specifically from the Shield side of things. But, man, that, like, that's a step, right? Yeah, so full disclosure, I'm not totally up to date on all this. I haven't been keeping up with like the, the NFL side of things necessarily as I, much as I should. I, I can fill in the gaps for you if you need to. Don't worry. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I did see the video and saw the demands. I, I didn't know what exactly did Goodell do. He just, uh, what, what was in his video? Uh, Goodell based. So, so the player video, the player's video, uh, basically said three different things. One, support Black Lives Matter. Two, social injustice. And three, I believe the third was police brutality. Do not, do not quote me on that, but I'm, I'm 99% sure that's what it was. So, the, you know, the three major things going on right now, uh, in this country. And Goodell basically said, I condemn social injustice. I condemn police brutality. I can, or I agree all black lives matter. And that like, I don't know. I just feel like for the shield 
you know, the comp, you know, the business that was so protective over, over the flag, over every, you know, over the entire situation. They were so like, don't look at us, like trying to turn the attention away the first time. I guess now they're just in the, like the players cornered them and that was a pro move by the players. And that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know how authentic the NFL side of things actually are, but it feels at least like a start. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's good that it happened and that he didn't say that, that he, that he came out saying it and didn't just ignore it. That, that is obviously good. I, I'm very much like, I'm, I'm a wait until I see any proof of, of the NFL actually changing things. Right. I look, the NFL has a long history of, you know, being racist and doing racist things like blackballing cop calling Kaepernick out the league. Um, and as much as look, I, I'm not, conv- I don't know whether Goodell was authentic or not. My gut says no, but he, I mean, he might've been, but the fact is like in terms of the NFL, he don't, he don't really have that much power to be changing things anyway. Um, you know, it's going to have to come from the owners who I'm guessing are not on board with the shit at all. Um, could be wrong. Could be wrong. And again, I'm not like out of all the sports that I follow, like NFL is probably my least that yeah. I follow. You know? So um, I'm not the most educated in terms of that, but I'm a definitely like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of the NFL actually taking actionable steps to support these players and to reform the system. But so it's good that a statement was made. I guess I'm just a little pessimistic that it's actually going to mean anything. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that brings up a really good point uh, adjacently. And that is the typical brand statement. It's so, oh it's so, and Bomani Jones is the one that really got me to pay attention to this. And it was really about, you know, looking at the word choice, you know, mm-hmm. what are the words, what are like the key words that are being in or that are not in each one of these brand that's statements. Awesome. And actually I feel like that's personally where I fuck things up on my end. Uh, I don't know if you saw my thread as to why I use some of the word choices that I use or points that I made. Uh, in 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 my uh in my blog post, uh, and it was basically like I didn't use the words cop or police or or singular cop because I have family in the service and I don't believe that all cops are bad. But now I'm looking back at it and it's like wait, but that's the problem is police brutality. So by not fully addressing the problem, there's not my the validity of my point then all of a sudden gets cut in half. And so it was just little like just little word choices, and they were. I used the word choices I used because I wanted to kind of set traps for anybody that tried to counter what I was saying. So it was all intentional, and it was all really well thought out. And Nick, I'll link you that uh, app when we get off here, so you can kind of re- review it if you want. But now that I've heard that, and I'm looking at each brand statement, it's like shit. Like there are key words, there are key phrases that you have to use if you're actually with the shits. Yeah, there's there's two that I've noticed, and I, I don't know exactly what Bomani said, but there's there's two words that are frequently left out of brand statements, and that is one police. You're yeah. right, and I think it's in that, but it's remarkable how few brands are actually willing to say that police brutality is a problem and address right. the police because the police is an institution like they hold a ton of power in this country, and they're all unionized, and nobody wants to go at them. So that's part of it. The other one is black. Nobody wants to say black or black lives in this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that say racism. There's a lot of statements that say racial injustice. But nobody wants to actually address the problem and say black because then you're going to have white people that go all, all lives matter on it and, and don't support your brand. So, yeah, there's a lot of brands that are unwilling to say black or black lives matter and that are unwilling to say police. And, yeah, I mean, that pisses me off. Like if you make some statement like that, it's I, I didn't see it in yours. So um, had I seen it, I probably would have called you out. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, if you if you're making a statement addressing racism and police brutality without addressing the police or the race that they're brutalizing, then your statement's kind of bullshit. Right. Yeah. And that, and, that, and after I heard, you know, and like I, and like I said, I felt I felt I felt the intentions of mine were, you know, still there. But after I heard Bomani like talk about the importance of using specific words, that's when I was like. Fuck, I need to find a way to, you know, get in that apology for that because that's been on my mind for a few days now. So I'm glad that we're I'm glad that I'm able to, to say that now and have this platform to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there's so much. What You tell me, what, what's another thing on your mind about all this? Well, let's because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, let, let's talk. Let's talk about cops for a second because yeah. you mentioned, you know, that you don't think all cops are bad. Um I'll I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you what though respectfully with each passing video that comes out woo, that is changing <laughs> yeah so do, well do you I guess do you want to speak to that and kind of speak to your feelings on police and policing um uh, before before I kind of get into mine um I don't I don't think I'm fully educated enough to provide a well thought out opinion on the spot so I'm going to let you take this over, and if I have room to interject or afterwards, I'll counter. We'll go from there. But like I said, obviously, this is trying to – like, go ahead. Just go. Just go. <laughs> Gladly. Um, yeah, so I've thought about this a lot, especially even today. I've been thinking about this a lot for some reason. And um, there's, a, like, one of the slogans of the movement, right, is ACAB. All cops are bastards. And mm-hmm. um, That's what that means. I didn't know I, – I, I saw ACAB tra- like all over the place, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? All right, keep going. <laughs> I thought it was bitches at first. I didn't realize, yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's all cops are bastards. And then we have, you know, you have people saying like, police are racist. Like the, I said that, I said cops are racist. Like police is a racist institution. But I think that's the difference there, the difference there. And I think that's where people are getting lost in straight up like getting their feelings hurt and thinking it's personal in a way that it's not. Because look, there there are a lot of police officers who are individually racist. That's a fact. Like if you look at statistics, like, Police officers overwhelmingly don't see problems with their conduct, um, believe that black people are treated the same as everyone else by police officers, don't think the police system needs to be reformed, like all that. Um, and even just getting down to questions of race, like there's a lot of, in polls about this, like there's, there's, there's just a lot of racist police officers. That's the fact. Like that's part of the, the institution and who it attracts mm-hmm. in some cases it does attract racist people. Um, but I will acknowledge that there are, some police officers who individually like were they not police were they not part of that system if you saw them on the street like and and interacted with them like as a friend you're not going to think that they're racist um now well i think there's literature that i've read and i agree with i think everybody's racist at least to an extent we have moments where we're racist moments where we're anti-racist like it goes back and forth for everyone i think everybody's displayed or had a racist sentiment or thought at some point um but I think there are certainly cops who as racism is classified generally, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't view them as racist. And there are cops who support black people and support black communities. That is Mm -hmm. true. But the problem is that this is institutionalized, right? It's systemic. And the police force as a whole, as a system is racist. Um, Policing is, there's often over-policing in black communities. The police force is in itself like, brutality is a set trend in it like the way they're educated they're training all that like policing is a racist institution and i saw a quote that i really liked um which was that there's no such thing as a good cop because they either stop being a cop or they stop being good and i feel like that i saw something i saw something similar to that and that's that's honestly kind of where i'm at with it like 
I mean, the, the Minnesota, the George Floyd murder is an excellent example, right? You've got one blatantly racist cop, but then you've got three who just stood there and didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and sure, maybe there's some cops in the world that would have done something. But look, by, in my opinion, by being a police officer at this point, um, you are supporting and being part of an institution that is racist and has racist policies. And I, so I don't see how in good conscience um, someone could like feel comfortable being a police officer at this point and argue that that institution isn't racist. So I guess when I say cops are racist and when I say cops are a racist institution, like that's where I'm at. That's where my thoughts at behind if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. One of the things that, and not, not to take away your, not to take away from your point again, or like move subjects too early. Uh, I, I just don't have anything to add to that. I think that, I think you said that really well in like, like that, nothing for me. Like you're good. Like you nailed that. Um, but still staying on the same uh, topic. I don't know if you saw this. I retweeted it. The, I don't know if it's Minnesota, I want to say it was Minnesota. One of the district board members of Minnesota, the third ward, I believe it, I believe it was, uh, proposed the idea of getting rid of police. And it was the, I didn't, it was the idea of you need people from these communities policing themselves. And it was like, they, and it was almost kind of, I don't want to say this like utopian idea, but it's kind of how it came across. And I think it to me, just saying that right now and the, just the way things are going, I still felt like it was a really bold statement to make. Um, I could go back and find it, but who knows how long that would take. Uh, but I just think I think it was just a very interesting point, the idea of we're going to get people who uh, are from these communities. Because that, that, that's another uh, really interesting point as well is where – you know, a lot of cops don't live in the cities where they are policemen at or police women at, uh, and that creates a whole other set of problems. Uh, so it's really just so basically the point that this person made was it's about finding a group of people who are from these cities, from these uh, places, and who are willing to step up and just do just pussy police is the wrong word like control or I don't know. Do you know where I'm going with this? Can you can you help me fill in the gaps? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um... So, yeah, no, um, abolishing and defunding the police has been a big topic like in recent days. I think I retweeted something about it the other day. Um, and I think there's um, a big misconception that a lot of people have when it, because, right, there's, it's it's not an overwhelmingly popular idea right now. It may seem mm -hmm. like it on Twitter because Twitter is more liberal and like people that are loud on Twitter, like it seems often that they're more popular than they really are. It's not an overwhelmingly popular idea with the country, but I think it's growing and I think one of the reasons that it's not popular is because there's a big misconception about what that looks like, right? Um, when people hear defund the police or abolish the police, they're thinking like there's no law enforcement. And that's not the case at right. all. Like one, it'd be a super, it'd be a gradual process, right? Like it's not, it doesn't mean like get rid of all police instantly. They're out of a job. They have to go home and they have to do something else. And then it's just anarchy. Like that's not what's going to happen at all. You know, um, when people talk about defunding the police and abolishing the police, that means gradually redistributing funds that are currently going to police forces and putting those funds elsewhere, you know, into community programs, into social service programs, into all that, redistributing the funds. Um, and you, you work through that and you get to a certain point where there's no more funding for the police, right? And as you're doing so, you reestablish some other kind of reimagined law enforcement, right? And, and that's fine. But if, if we agree with the last point that I made, right, that we talked about where police are racist and policing it's a racist institution and a concept then you have to abolish it right you have to get rid of it and so you have to restart with something new that's not based in racism based in these traditions 
Um, and then I think you're going to find it much more successful. Also just anecdotal evidence that I've found. I mean, there is data behind it, but nothing that I can pull off the top of my head. But there is so much data showing that when policing, when police presence decreases in an area or when policing like goes away, like when police offices go on strike, crime goes down like every fucking time. Right. Um, it's not to say that like you don't need some kind of law enforcement. Like obviously there would still be something if you defund the police, but I think it's a much more realistic and possible option than people think. Um, and I think as studies and kind of as data grows and this becomes a more mainstream idea, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So while you were talking, I was hearing everything you were saying, but I did find the, 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 uh, the thread, uh, where, where this idea came from. So this is from, uh, Steve Fletcher, Minneapolis ward three. And this reads, I don't know yet, though several of us on the council are working on finding on finding out what it would take to disband, to, bis, to disband the MPD and start fresh with the community-oriented, nonviolent public safety and outreach capacity. Um, our city needs a public safety capacity that does not fear our residents, that doesn't need a gun at community meetings, uh, that considers itself part of our community, that doesn't resort quickly to pepper spray when people are understandably angry, that doesn't murder black men. We can totally reimagine what public, what public safety means, what skills we're recruiting for, what tools we do and don't need. We can invest in cultural uh, we can invest in cultural competency and mental health training, de-escalation and conflict resolution. And it basically just goes on and sends us. I'll probably link to this in the description down below. But I felt like, I mean just coming out with that i mean like that and it was just so well thought out clearly that was reading just different the steps and actions that it would take for this to happen um and it's just a really interesting point now to see how police reform in particular is now handled going forward yeah i do and i think there's there's two levels in terms of police reform right like you can reform the system or you can build a new system right and i think eventually like police i think i've made it blatantly clear that i think police are racist so um I think I, I'm obviously in favor of, you know, building a new system, but that's going to take some time. And I do think there are reforms that can be made in the meantime. Now I support, if they can get that through and make that happen, like I'm 100% for it. But I think there's no need to like, if, if we think that we're not there yet as a country, like there's no need to still, like there's still plenty of reforms that can happen in terms of reforming the way cops do duty, like requiring body cams nationwide. It's ridiculous that that hasn't been done. Getting rid of no knock warrants. I mean, that's how Breonna Taylor died because the police didn't have to identify themselves or not. They just bust into her home and, and, and shot her, which right. is fucking absurd. Um, there's a lot of like these individual kind of reforms that police offices can make to limit the damage that racism can do, right? It's still, they're still gonna be racist. There's still gonna be racist officers that commit racist acts. But if we, if we limit their power and their ability to harm people of color, predominant, especially black people, then that's at least kind of like stopping the gap a little bit while we work on actually, you know, doing deeper reform and actually fixing police. If right. that makes sense. For sure. And I mean, we've even seen, you know, the movements, this wave has been so strong. They reopened the Breonna Taylor case. The other three officers uh, in the George Floyd murder have now uh, are now under arrest. Uh, I don't know. I forget what the specific charge is, but now it, all four of them are, uh, are, arrested so you know it's things are happening they elevated uh the murdering officer uh from third degree to second degree which the distinction between then and second degree is the uh, is the intent to kill which that's obviously a ma like that like that's major right there and so we are like that like everything right now is working and going in the right direction and to me it's just a matter of keeping that momentum going 
And I have one more thought on that before, if you want to jump in, go ahead. What do you got? Well, yeah. So I think a lot of people are seeing that and especially people that are against the movement and are saying, okay, well, you got what you wanted. Why are you still protesting? And I think it's because like, look, policing is still a racist institution. There's still instances of police brutality happening. I mean, across the country, we've seen it in response to the protests. Like, I think it's important for people to remember that this fight is nowhere near over. Like right. we're just, we're just getting started. And um, yeah, I think for people that are saying that and like, why are you still protesting? Like that's just a bullshit stance that is ignoring a plethora of data and showing this is happening. Like we're not, as in terms of protesting and activism, like we're not just trying to get justice for people that are already dead. We're trying to prevent black people from being killed in the future, you know? Yeah. And that obviously that last point there is the big one because unfortunately we can't bring back Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin. Like we can't, it's, it's, it's really, it's really fucking sad. Um, but I get, I guess to go back to my, to, to my point that I was, that I was going to make was I have, I, I personally have thoughts about the black box and blackout Tuesday that happened. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, oh look at Oh, we're on the same page. I can already tell. Um, yeah. to me, the intent was good, but that was maybe the biggest miscalculation of all time. And the reason why I say that is, uh, for, I mean, there's a number of things, right? Uh, number one, I guess if like sure, it's good in the sense that maybe it got someone to participate in something where they wouldn't have said anything previously. So if you want to applaud them for that, like we said, just trying to get people into the game, like that's a start. But to me, it was mind blowing that that someone thought that this was a good idea. Amplifying black voices was the purpose of it, and it makes a lot like that. Obviously, another great thing to do. But I felt like we were at a point where we just went as a, as a, as a collective, right? We just went on a 12-0 scoring run and we're the ones that called timeout. We're the ones that let our foot off the gas. We're the ones that stopped our own momentum. You know, everybody, everybody on the other side wanted us to stop talking about it. And we were going to sacrifice an entire day, which on social media is a week's worth of time. And we were just going to just like, just get up and just be like, nope, um, I'm going to go stand over here and I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a seat and I'm just going to sit down right here. I was, I couldn't believe it. It was one of the biggest miscalculations I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And there was from a practical standpoint, right? The problem was that it was overwhelming the black lives matter hashtag. This is just speaking practically on Twitter and especially Instagram where there was important resources that activists and protesters work diligently to get those resources to the top of the page and all of a sudden they're gone. Um, so that was a problem from a, from more of a like con conceptual standpoint, there are two things that were really fucking problematic with it. The first was it gives, again, it gives a opportunity for people to be really passive and to slack yeah. off in terms of like, this is the fucking baseline of what you should be doing to, support Black Lives Matter and to support Black people is posting a fucking black square that tells you nothing on your profile right. and dropping a hashtag in it. Like, that's nothing. It's the same as, I don't know if you saw, but there was a trend going around, like, a few days before that of people, like, tagging 10 people that had to then tag 10 more people with, like, hashtag Black Lives Matter or whatever. Right. Yeah, people were just using that as an opportunity to dig, to get clout and to show that they're, you know, with the shits and down with the movement. Yeah. And they weren't using to actually do anything. And so that's super whack to me. So that's one. Uh, both of those did that Two, And this is the one that really pissed me off. And I just cannot fathom like the biggest thing about a protest is standing up and saying something. 
So who the fuck designs a way to protest that requires not saying anything? Yeah. Like, how is the lack of information supposed to help in this in this fight at all? It just, I agree that I think the intent behind it to get people to show support for the lack of community, fine. But that was the worst execution it, I've ever seen in my it, life. Like, it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, and, and go, going back to your point where it's like, sure, like people, you know, like maybe like maybe this was the way for them to i guess take part in this you know it also it also gives room for a lot of posers who haven't yeah. done as you said who haven't done shit and now they think that they're with it just because they posted a black box did you do it i not did you no. yeah i no. i didn't th at first when i first opened uh instagram on tuesday and i was scrolling through it i was like oh this looks cool because just a feed of black boxes and like there is some level of unity there and then i thought about it more and like an hour later i deleted that tweet and i was like yeah i'm like this is whack this doesn't make any sense yeah i for me it just felt like a trend that was like it, it didn't it felt like a trend that was very much for white people and here's what the, here's the way i saw it or for non-black people right because it was like it, it seemed like the intent was to remind everybody that like this fight is happening and like everybody's fighting for it Black people already know that. Black people are dealing with racism and microaggressions and police brutality. Black people are getting murdered and seeing family members murdered already. Like, they know this is happening. This right. was a way for white people to be like, oh, shit, wait, racism still exists? We should probably do something about it. And look, if that's, like, what it takes for you to get involved in this fight, then you're not an ally or somebody that's going to really do anything anyway. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. It gave way for a bunch of posers to, again, act like they were with the movement. And when, if that's all you're doing is posting a black box, like, that's that's not gonna work so yeah i have about a million problems with it but yeah the campaign was even if it was well intended it was a whack-ass way to to go about it yeah it, like like i like i said the only word that comes to mind is mind-blowing i i couldn't believe it like like we like we said well intentioned just awful execution all the way around but now i guess let's kind of just talk about some potential solutions here now the obvious one is fuck racism right and get that up out the paint but unfortunately, that's not practical in this current moment of time. Uh, I'm gonna—I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this. Maybe you've brainstormed. I—I I, I know I know the obvious ones, but you probably have a lot more knowledge on this on the solution side of things than I do. So go ahead. I don't know. I actually haven't. I, the thing is, this is like—I've spent so much of the last week and a half being angry, and yeah. that's me as a dude, right? So I can only imagine for black people, like how angry. I mean, they've been angry for a lot of them since they were children like i was talking to my friends about this and they're like like yeah we've just you know we're in a constant state of being angry a lot of the time because there's so much to be angry about you know um so mine's like not even like mine's a tiny percentage of that i'm sure but like i've just been pissed off for a ton of the last week and a half yeah. um Same. and honestly when i'm that mad like i'm not usually thinking of solutions so yeah. it's wild no, for sure been right on my brain um but yeah i mean i think look I think the end goal is to defund and to abolish the police. If we're addressing police brutality here specifically, right? I think that's the long-term goal and it's gotta happen. Like we have to build a new form of law enforcement that isn't based in racist beliefs and practices. Um, in the meantime, in terms of more practical steps we can take, continuing to pursue, pursue justice um, for these recent cases of police brutality, yeah. uh, advocating for against the officers that murdered George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and against the um, racist white dudes that murdered Ahmaud Arbery. Um, addressing those is a very actionable step we can take. Pushing for these more 
minimal police reforms in terms of no knock warrants like i said um body cams always on or spotty cameras like all that like that's very actionable steps we can take yeah um on a more basic level like just continuing to raise awareness about the, all this and like always being willing to being willing to call out racism is i think a big thing that a lot of people don't do especially white people don't do right mm-hmm. um especially in terms like there's a lot of white people who, especially with their families and with friends, are just like, oh, well, that's just how they are. Or, oh, well, they're older. And, like, that's no excuse. Like, none of that is an excuse or a reason to excuse racism, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think as white people, like, we need to be willing to call call that out wherever we see it. And if you don't call out racism wherever you see that, like, then in my eyes, you're not, you're not a real ally. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are, yeah, I mean, there's a million different things that I could go on and say are actionable steps. But those are a few that I think are, like, important yeah, I mean, we're pretty much on the same page. There's nothing that you said that I have, or that I did. There's nothing that you said that I didn't have. Uh, it, it's to me, it's really just about let's just get the basics. Let's just get the basics done. So whether that is just the body cams or just making sure that each officer involved in a case like this is undergoes some sort of trial or investigation uh, for it, because obviously justice is is a major uh, part of this. And it's really just about trying to put an end to something that has been going on for literally hundreds of years. And how you properly do that, I don't think, uh, I think that's the thing, nobody, nobody knows. Because this is so systematically ingrained into the system. But, right. now, but, but, now, it's, but not, now it's time. If it's, if it's not now, then when? Yeah, and I mean, that's not like... It's, this is another like this gets back to making sure we avoid the white savior complex like you and i shouldn't be the ones determining what those solutions are like i can yeah. voice what i think is successful but at the end of the day those recommendations need to come from people of color and from the black people that are dealing with this mm-hmm. and then we as white allies need to support them and to advocate for those things but we shouldn't be the ones we, we got in this mess because white people decided to make decisions for everybody um, yeah, fair that sums up most of the bad things that have happened in history yeah <laughs> We need to avoid that moving forward, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Nick, is there anything that we didn't cover? Anything that's on your mind that we, that we haven't talked about? Ooh, there was something and I forgot what it was. Oh, let's talk. Did you actually, I know you did because you responded. Um, you see what happened in my wonderful Texas hometown of Seguin this week? Oh, we're, we're going to, oh, I'm cool with this. Let's go. Yeah, let's rock with it. All right. So basically what happened for those of you who don't know what Seguin is, congratulations. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm so I when I moved to Texas, I moved to Seguin, Texas, which is like a small town, about 25,000, right between San Antonio and Austin. So like South Central Texas. Um, this week, they decided to hold a prayer rally called All Souls Matter, where they prayed about how every life matters and stood there and prayed over a pers- procession of police cars that drove through the town. Um, not exactly... I said, this is what I said because actually the city manager of Seguin hit up my Twitter this week um, and was like, he was trying to explain some things and also to ask for my input about things. But I was like, in terms of this movement, like who it was organized by and how it went down, like this is tone deaf at best and overtly racist at worst, right? Mm-hmm. Like at best, it was incredibly tone deaf and not realizing what's happening in the world right now and what's going on. And at worst, this is like blatant racism and wanting to support a racist institution and to put down black people. Like it was so problematic and that shit that tweet kind of blew up which also i don't i don't ever want to have a viral tweet again that was like not that fun like, no like, oh, oh they are fun and in theory it looks great high numbers of re- lots of retweets lots of likes you know it looks great on the surface but buddy you go into those mentions and it's a hellstorm 
Well, yeah, I, I did for a while. And then eventually I couldn't keep up with them anymore. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I could like, I was so fed up. Like, I don't know why that got to me so much. Maybe because it's my hometown or maybe because I saw a lot of people like, like there was no one before. There were only a few people that I saw before I posted anything that actually like had a problem with it, which pissed me the fuck off. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people like once I noticed, once I made note of it and kind of popularized it, then it was, it became a big thing. There were actually counter protests in town this past week, which was dope. Um, like protests for Black Lives Matter. Nice. But um, yeah, I went, I, there was a little while when I was still going in my messages and just responding to all the racist people that were commenting. And that was, I was, I was pretty heated. So I was, I was firing off some, some kind of spicy tweets, but that was a, uh, yeah, I won't say it was fun. It was never, but, but putting down all in, in, in throwing jabs at all the racist people on there, that was probably the best part of my day. Yeah, no, for sure. And it speaks to a much larger point and i had people uh reach out to me and they were just like i'm you know like thoughts and prayers and tim and you know we've been over this a hundred times just uh, as a society and a lot of people a lot of more people are coming around to this idea thoughts and prayers don't do fucking shit like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> if you want to believe in a higher power fine do it but unless a thought and a prayer is going to stop this, bring back George Floyd, bring back, bring back Breonna Taylor, bring back Michael Brown, what are we doing? What are we doing? Please, show me one time when a prayer has brought someone besides Jesus back to life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... So I want to be careful. Like, I, I don't want to put, I, I'm not religious. I don't know if you are. I'm not. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not at all, but um, I don't want to put it down. Like there is, there are benefits to religion and religion when done the right way, I think can, even though I don't necessarily believe in terms of prayer doing anything, I think religion in and of itself can be a powerful tool for good when used correctly. Correct. Um, but this, now, is, this is just empty. That's the thing. This is just empty. Yeah. Now, when it's not used correctly, like in this case, and in a lot of cases over the past where it's been used for horrible things, then it's it's awful. And it's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that I think that, because this, this was a Christian, right? This is a Christian prayer vigil or mm -hmm. shit. The, the police parade was Christian, right? And I have a hard, look, I was, I was raised a Christian, um, even though I'm not now. And I have a hard time seeing how you can justify being Christian and actually reading the Bible and all those thoughts with some of the, with this all lives matter bullshit that they were spouting at the rally and some of the other like awful racist things people use religion to justify. Like, I just, I don't understand that. And it's absurd to me. Um, but yeah, so, I, so I'm not religious, but I do think it, it can have power for good, but this was an instance where it was power for very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, for sure. Absolutely. It was, I, I went through some of the mentions. I went through your mentions a little bit, and I, I I'm glad I'm glad you handled it. I'm glad that you had the uh, what what's the what's the right word? Strength maybe the the, the restraint maybe because you could have got I mean you could have gone in a lot harder than you did, and you did clap at, at a multitude of people, but that, I mean that that could have gotten so much worse. Yeah, I had to restrain myself um a couple times from responding to people, but. I definitely got my fair share, fair share of punches in on a couple. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm here for Twitter wars, man. I'm here for it. It it it, it yeah. It, I was gonna say it's a fun thing to pass the time, but now nah, this is not really a fun instance. So I'm 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 gonna retract that back real quick. Um, is that it? Did we cover everything? I think we covered a lot here. I think we've been going for like an hour or so. But 
and like I said, this co- I mean, this is a conversation that has so many different layers and so many different facets to it. There was probably no way we were going to accurately and uh, optimally touch on everything, but I, I tried our best. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think we, I mean, I think we did a pretty holistic job of covering everything. I get, I want to bookend it because I mentioned it at the front end, at the back end. I want to remind people like we're two white dudes. Damn it, you beat me to it. I was going <laughs> to say that. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, disclaimer, right? Like, I'm sure a lot of the points we made were speaking from that point of privilege and from our perspectives as not having to deal with racism or police brutality or systemic oppression. Like, so that's going to frame our points of view, right? And we can only mm-hmm. speak to from a certain angle. Um, so I guess just if you finish listening to that, like, if, or if you go back or whatever, keep that in mind, right? That that's where we're speaking from. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed talking with you. And yeah, I think we, we definitely covered a lot of ground. Yeah, for sure. And like, like I said, uh, I think I, I don't know if I wrote this or whatever, but I know I'm probably going to get things wrong. If that is the case, I apologize. Just let me know what, what I fucked up in the comments. Obviously, that's just and – that, and that's another whole – that's a whole other thing about black people being the ones to educate us about this. And just in the sense of, like, it's yeah. – I don't need to get into that. We're, we're, we're trying to wrap this thing up. But yeah, It's not black people's job to educate white people. Are. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be for here. I'm not going to tell you to like or subscribe or any of that bullshit. I don't care about that right now. I only care about you doing your part, whether it's signing a petition, going to a protest, or doing whatever you can to try and create this change, keep the momentum going. That's all I got. So thank you for watching, and I'll see you next time. Later.